0: If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Uh, We're looking at a message this morning entitled, The Mystery of Christ. And so uh, we are officially two chapters in uh, to this book of Ephesians. I got to be honest with you guys, I have been super proud of you uh, for how you have been engaged. And, uh, you know, these last two chapters, they have been thick. And rich with doctrinal truth. Uh, what we have been going through is not for the faint of heart. Uh, and uh, I don't know, you know, how much experience you guys might have with other youth groups. I would think for most of you, it'd be pretty limited. But uh, I can tell you, as a junior high ministry, it's not too common uh, for someone to walk through the book of Ephesians with seventh and eighth graders. Uh, oftentimes, people have the perspective. That you guys can't handle it. Uh, There's many churches out there that have the perspective that, well, we're just going to do a a five to 10-minute Bible study, and then we'll do the rest with games, because that's really going to keep their attention. There's a lot of thought out there that people your age uh, can't hold the attention for a, you know, we go through 45-minute Bible studies weekly. Every Sunday that you guys are here, we're getting into the Word of God and going through a 45-minute Bible study. That is almost as long as what your parents are going through with Pastor Jack. And we have seen that you guys most certainly can handle that and that it's good for you. It is good for you to hear the Word of God and know the Word of God. And um, I just want to tell you guys how, how awesome it has been as we have gone through these two chapters because even the topic for today... The mystery of Christ. This is a heavy-hitting topic that they talk about in seminary and and uh, and places of of higher learning, uh, but we don't want to just give you guys the John three sixteen stuff. Now, do we need to know the John three sixteen stuff? Absolutely, but there is so much richness in the Word of God. And I believe as your pastor, I would not be doing my job and you good uh, with with just doing the surface level stuff. And so uh, what we've been doing is kind of just opening up the Bible and going through it verse by verse. And uh, and so what we've been looking at during our time, I I referenced this in the first few messages that we've been going through, and I want to put it back on your radar because we're close to that tipping point. Remember, the book of Ephesians is broken up into two basic parts, and it's a balance between doctrine, that's teaching of the Bible, with duty, that's action that should come from the Bible. And we see in the first three chapters, and what we've been going through is some doctrine, a lot of what uh, is called soteriology. That's a huge word. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that word, soteriology. It's the idea, it's the study of salvation, Right? Just like you have geology, what is that? Study of rocks, right, I think. Uh, And then you have, right, soteriology is a big word for the study of salvation. We've been studying and getting into the deep layers of salvation. It's been awesome. Uh, But we're not quite done yet. Uh, We got the third chapter of what God has done, how he has saved us, right? And uh, I'm excited because just a couple weeks from now, we have one study Today, in Ephesians 1, uh, chapter 3, 1 through 13. Next week, we'll finish off the chapter. And then the week after that, we'll be in chapter 4. And that's when the application of of these things really gets going. But you see, it's really important that we understand before we begin to do. Because if we begin to do before we understand, we're going to do wrong. And so we want to take God's word seriously. And that's why Paul lays the foundation of these teachings about salvation before he gets into the everyday Christian life. And so uh, why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to be in that third chapter of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter three, verses one through 13. We're going to read it. It's, uh, I'm telling you guys, we're, uh, we're, we're, this is thick stuff. This is good. But I believe I truly and genuinely believe there'll be some of you today that will just check out. Because this is, this is, this is good, rich stuff. And if you don't pay attention, you're going to be lost and so confused, and God's not going to be able to speak to you. But if you would be willing today to lean in, read the Word of God, and then hear it explained and walk through it with all of us today, You can get it. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes the scriptures alive. And so if you give God your attention, God says, I will give you understanding. Pretty cool, right? Let's dive in. Ephesians chapter three, starting in verse one. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and power in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you, do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. God, we pray that you would bless the teaching and the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So you'll notice that four times within these 13 verses, the word mystery appears. And I want to explain uh, this idea of mystery. Here in Ephesians chapter 3 is not the only place this idea of the mystery of Christ or the mystery of God is mentioned, but we got to understand what we're talking about here. What comes to your mind when you think of the word mystery? What comes to your mind? Yeah. Something unsolved. Something unsolved. Yep. Yeah. Something you got to try to figure out. What else? What else comes? To you? Just the first thing that pops in your head. What pops in? Yeah. Yeah, like a, like a mystery story, Indiana Jones. What else? Yeah. Yeah, Scooby-Doo. That's literally what I have written on my notes. Scooby-Doo comes to mind, right? It's kind of like something eerie, something even scary, something, <coughs> excuse me, something that someone has to go and try to figure out, right? It's kind of maybe like a Sherlock Holmes mystery where you got to find the clues. That is not the type of mystery that Paul is talking about here. This word mystery, in Greek, it's the word mysterion, uh, which is where we get our English word mystery. But it's different than what you and I think of mystery. The word mystery was thought of as an inner secret or a sacred secret, and it would be something that someone couldn't find out by himself, but it would have to be revealed by another. It's something that is beyond natural knowledge, meaning that the mystery of Christ wouldn't be something that you could figure out on your own, that you could find the clues and and solve the mystery. It's something that has to be given by divine revelation. In English, this mystery, we think of something dark and obscure, puzzling. But this word is something that's different. It's a truth that's hidden from human knowledge having to be given by divine revelation. Okay, I'm gonna give you guys uh, some examples of this. We see this throughout scripture. Jesus talked about the mysteries of God. He referred to it as the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And he spoke to people in parables. You guys ever heard of the parables of Jesus? They weren't just... Fancy stories, but they actually had a dual intention. We're told here that the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, notice verse 10 on the screen. It says, Why do you speak to them in parables, these stories? And Jesus answered and said to them, He said, I do this because it has been given to you, those the disciples to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, though other people that were hearing, it has not been given. What the purpose of parables was for, was that for those that genuinely wanted to seek after God, they would get it. There would be this divine revelation, they would understand it. And it would help them understand a spiritual truth. But, you know, we know that there were those following Jesus for bad intentions. There were those trying to seek to trap him. There were those that just wanted to see him do miracles. They were there for the show. And for those people, the mystery of God would be concealed. They wouldn't understand it. It would actually be concealed to those who were ingenuine, uh, like, say, the Pharisees who were full of pride. They were listening to Jesus, but they never got it. Why? Because it wasn't granted to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Let me give you another example. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. We again read about this mystery. And we need to understand this because my hope for you is that you are going to be reading the scriptures on your own. And whenever you see that word mystery pop up in the Bible... It's not referring to Scooby-Doo or Sherlock Holmes. What is it referring to? It's referring to the great gospel truth that God has revealed to us. Colossians 1 here says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so here again, Paul talks about the mystery. Now, I want you to notice here, he summarizes what is the mystery of Christ. Well, notice at the end here, he says, this mystery among the Gentiles, those are non-Jews. What is it? Do you guys see that colon? Do you guys see that right here? You guys see the colon? That means what is about to be said is the mystery. You want the mystery summed up? It's Christ in you. It's the fact that in the Old Testament, this truth was concealed. But now in the New Testament, we have this divine understanding that God wants to indwell his people, Christ in you. That's the mystery. And in the Old Testament, we see this truth hinted to, prophesied about but never clearly revealed. The mystery that Paul is referring to is the work of Jesus in his people. And so now, with the understanding revealed in the New Testament, we can go back to the Old Testament and unlock those hidden truths. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write down Old Testament. You can write down OT-concealed. But then in the New Testament, NT-revealed. And so when we have the completed scriptures with the understanding of Christ in you, this mystery revealed, we then go back to the Old Testament and things start to make sense. You see, if you read the Old Testament without understanding Jesus, you're going to be very lost and confused. You're going to say, what's going on here? Why are they doing these sacrifices? What's this? What's that? But when you first read the New Testament, that's why I always encourage students, first read the New Testament. If you've never read the New Testament, don't read the Old Testament just yet. Read through the New Testament, because in a way, that's going to give you that key that unlocks the understanding of the Old. It's awesome. It's very cool. This is that mystery. Peter talks about it in this way. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through Uh, I only have up to verse 11, so don't write down verse 12. Verse 10 and 11 says this, Of this salvation, that's what you and I have, this mystery, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of this grace that would come to you, searching what and what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Check out what this verse is saying. As the Old Testament was written by those prophets Jeremiah, Isaiah, Haggai, Hosea, Joel, all these Old Testament prophets, they had these glimpses. They had these previews. Have you guys ever seen a movie preview before? You know, you see these kind of best parts, but you don't know how it all comes together. And so in the Old Testament, they 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 prophesy. That's why we can look back in the old and know where Jesus was born. We can know that he was gonna be born of a virgin. They had pieces, but they couldn't see the puzzle. But now in the New Testament, the puzzle pieces, the mystery that was hidden has now been revealed. And you and I, we get to experience the fullness of this thing. Romans 16, verses 25 and 26. I told you guys we're going deep today, all right? Uh, You are not gonna hear this teaching even in a lot of supposed Bible teaching churches, but we are doing it in junior high, all right? Romans 16, note it down. According to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to faith. What was once made secret, kept secret since the world began through the prophetic scriptures. That's why it's so important to the Bible, is that it is through the Bible that God reveals the mystery of Christ. And now for you and I, it's no longer something unseen. But as we come to God by faith, what was unseen is now made seen. That's why we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. Amen. Okay. So that's the mystery. Now we needed to establish that before we dive in into the, the, the nitty gritty, as I love to say of, of our passage today. And so this mystery of Christ, I want you to note down number one, first point today, this mystery was revealed directly to Paul first and foremost by the spirit. I want you guys to look at Paul as the, the one who spearheaded revealing this mystery. God chose Paul to be the front man to take what was hidden and make it known, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And that's really what became Paul's primary role was to go to the Gentiles and tell them what they did not know, and reveal this mystery of Christ, all right? You guys following? Now, I want you guys to look how Paul starts off chapter three. Look at this very first part. It says, for this reason. Do you guys see that in verse one? Now, I wanna point that that out to you because he's gonna use that exact phrase again in verse 14, okay? So look at verse one. He says, for this reason reason then in verse 14 which will be the first verse of our study next week he says for this reason for what reason why why is he writing why does he care well notice for this reason i paul the prisoner of christ jesus for you gentiles This is the first time within this letter that Paul gives us insight that he is writing while under arrest and bound. Notice he says, I, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's not saying that as like a a Christianese type of term. He's legitimately bound. Now, he's not in a prison behind bars. He is under house arrest in Rome, but he is chained to a Roman guard. There were these Roman centurions that would take these shifts, and 24 hours he would be handcuffed, chained to a Roman centurion. Uh, He would be in the house. People were free to come visit him. uh, But he uh, was always with someone else. And you better believe that those guards were witness to about this mystery of Christ. But notice he says, for this reason... I am a prisoner. I, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. The reason that Paul was imprisoned was because he took this truth, this mystery now revealed to the Gentiles. Now, he's not saying this for pity because remember the Ephesian believers were mostly Gentiles. And so he's not writing to them, oh, I'm a prisoner, woe is me. No, he's writing to them, not as a way for pity, but because he wants them to realize that he's not just a prisoner of Rome, because what does he say? He's a prisoner of who? Of Jesus. Meaning he understands that because he preached this mystery, that that is the reason in God's sovereign plan that he's in prison in the first place. And so Paul kind of shares with them at this point, kind of goes into them uh, uh, regarding this mystery in the first place and how it was personally revealed to him by Jesus and the Spirit of God. Notice, look at verse uh, 3. It says, how that by revelation that he made known to me the mystery. And then again, later in verse 4, that you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. You know, what's interesting about Paul is that no one preached to Paul and he got saved. Did you know that? Every one of us in this room, someone shared Jesus with us, and that's why we came to the Lord. There is some connection. There is some, because that's God's design. Even as we talked about the missionary stuff, right? God's word, God's mystery is meant to be passed down from person to person, from generation to generation. For Paul, he had a very different experience. You guys remember in Acts chapter 9? Who stopped Paul in his tracks on that road to Damascus? Was it a a street evangelist? Was he out there preaching? And then he says, Paul, come here. I got something to tell you. No, it was Jesus himself that that shined the light and began to speak to him. But for Paul... Sometimes we think that he got saved and he got right into preaching. But there's actually years that would have passed before he would have got into his preaching ministry. And what we know that happens during those years is that not someone, but Jesus himself reveals this mystery to Paul directly. Galatians chapter one, verses 11 through 12 says, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. You see, we can trust what the Bible says to the Apostle Paul because it wasn't another man that came and told Paul. He didn't get it wrong. He heard these things from Jesus himself, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so this is significant for us to understand and note down. And so, listen, in times past, this truth, this mystery was concealed. But look at what verse 5 and 6 tells us. We're told, excuse me, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets. God ch- chose at this point in time to reveal this truth of the gospel. It wasn't that someone found it. They didn't find it in some hidden cave and say, look, I discovered the truth, the mystery of God. No, it was revealed directly by God. And God is still doing this to this day by his spirit. I want you guys to note down 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, and also verse 10. Paul here would also talk about this mystery. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Now, I hope this is the place where things begin to connect. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I'm not getting this whole mystery thing. Look at what Paul says here. Lean in. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. He says, which none of the rulers of this age knew, meaning that at that time, the people that crucified Jesus they, their eyes were concealed. They, they didn't get it. They were blinded. They, they looked at Jesus like a fool, as a threat. And so what did they do? They crucified the Lord of glory. And so there's this contrast here. There's this contrast that the mystery is connected to wisdom. You know, in this same section, Paul would contrast it and talk about foolishness. And doesn't it seem that way with believers that when you talk to them about the gospel, it almost is like a mystery to them. Sometimes when, when someone doesn't receive Jesus, they don't get it. It sounds like a mystery. It sounds like foolishness to them. And it's because they aren't willing to come to God by faith. And so their eyes are concealed. The Bible says that anyone that comes to the Father is drawn, comes to Jesus, is drawn by the father. Meaning that individually, when someone gets saved, it's God opening their eyes to the gospel truth because they are willing and ready to receive. And so the way that this mystery is made known, look at the very end, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. You and I have open eyes. That's why when we came to Jesus, whenever that moment was, that we were no longer blind, but now we could see. In a sense, the, the hidden truth, right? Why, have you ever thought, like, why doesn't everyone come to Jesus? Like it makes so much sense. It's a great deal. Why, why aren't people like, you don't have to do anything. you just believe? And call on the name of the Lord, put your faith and trust in him, and your sins will... Why? Because to them, because of the hardness of their heart, their their eyes are concealed. It's a mystery to them. But for you and I, it's been revealed by the Spirit. Secondly, you can note down that this mystery has been preached by Paul to the Gentiles. So it was revealed to Paul by the Spirit. And as a result of that, Paul took that upon himself to then go and preach this truth to everyone. And we find this in verses seven through nine. Notice there in verse seven, he says, of which I became a minister, a servant, according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effecting, effective working of his power. I want you to note down in your note taking that Paul became the primary minister of the mystery, okay? He became the primary minister of the mystery. God tapped him and he said, Paul, here is the precious truth of the gospel. I want you to go and tell everyone about this truth. You are the man. Now, from Paul, it began to spread and spread and spread and spread. But he was to be the primary minister of the ministry. And so after this had been revealed by Paul, we know that he went to go to the Gentiles. Okay? I want you to note down Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. So Paul had a really big heart for the Jews. Those were his people. He was a Jew's Jew. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, meaning he was all in. But Jesus stopped them in his tracks, and so he had this heart for them. But his role was really not to preach to his brethren, but was to go out into the rest of the world and tell them about Jesus. This is Acts 9. This is when he gets saved. Um, God speaks to a disciple named Ananias and says, Ananias, I want you to go to Paul and I want you to pray for him. I want you to be there for him. Ananias says, God, you're crazy. That's the guy that kills Christians. And he says, listen, he says this to him. He said, but the Lord said to him, Ananias, go for he being Paul is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before, what does it say? Gentiles. He says, I want you to go to Paul because I have plans for him to go to everyone, okay? So that was Paul's role. That was his, his job. Now, notice what he says about himself. You guys still have your Bibles open? Yes? Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. He says, to me, who am least than all the saints. Paul, when talking about himself, describes himself as least, Of all the saints. Now, listen, every believer is described as a saint. Sainthood isn't just for like the most holy people. You, if you're a Christian, you're a saint. I'm a saint. Now, it doesn't mean people should bow down and make little pictures of us and and pray to us. Uh, They need to go directly to Jesus. But Paul described himself, notice, the least of all the saints. Why would he do that? Because you and I, we know Paul is a pretty great believer, who gave us so much of the New Testament, who, who has instructed us in the ways of God. Now, he doesn't say this to get pity, but he wants to remind the Ephesians, and what we can be reminded of today is the greatness of God. How God took someone who sought to persecute the people of God and used him to bring that same truth that he sought to destroy to people to save them. Remember, Saul was after Christians. He sought to imprison them, and he consented to Christians' murder. But God now takes that same man and uses him to do something amazing. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of, of the mysteries of God. So Paul looked at himself as a steward over the mysteries of God. That's a a caretaker. It's kind of like this picture, as if God had had taken this mystery, this precious truth, what Jesus died for, and said, Paul, I I, I want you to take this. It's, It's the mystery of Christ. I want you to take this. I want you to hold on to it and take care of it. I want you to tell everyone about it. And, and it says, if there's this, this presentation, that's a steward. It's someone who would be trusted with someone great, something great. And you see, Paul was trusted with the mysteries of God to go and tell people about it. And that's why Paul always asked for prayer regarding this task that he was assigned. He took his preaching very seriously. You guys are in Ephesians 3. I want you to go to the very end of of the book of Ephesians, which should be like two pages over. It's two pages in my Bible. And I want you guys to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, 19, and 20, because it's this very topic that Paul actually asks the Ephesians to pray for him. He took this job of his so seriously. Look at verse 18. He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, pray for me, the utterance, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known, what does it say? The mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. He says, that's why I'm chained up that in it I may speak boldly. I love this. I love Paul. He's like, hey, I'm chained because I talked about this mystery, and I would like you to pray that I may have more boldness to talk about it more. He's like, I'm already chained. I'm going through Roman guards. They're taking these shifts, I'm, 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 and, and God's doing stuff. And so he's asking for a prayer that he might more boldly proclaim the mysteries of God. Now, I love how he describes it here. Check out, there's a lot here and we don't have time to dive into it all, but I love how he describes what he's preaching. Notice the topic of his preaching in verse eight. Look at the end of verse eight, okay? It says that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Everyone say unsearchable. I want you to, if you guys have your own Bible, note that write it down, highlight it, underline it, circle it. The unsearchable riches of Christ. I love how he explains that. Unsearchable. It literally means riches that cannot be traced. Unfathomable, incalculable, infinite. He says that the rich, meaning what you have in this mystery, the riches of Christ, you can never come to the end. That word uh, unsearchable, can also be translated untraceable, meaning that you can't ever discover the end of how great this mystery is according to the riches of Christ, meaning this, this precious truth, this mystery that God's revealed is unsearchable. It, there is no end, which is pretty awesome. Third and finally, our last point today, is that this mystery has not only been revealed to Paul, been preached by Paul, but kind of interesting, he goes a different direction. It's also been witnessed to angels by the church. And I'll explain what we're talking about. Notice verse 10. It says, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities... And powers in the heavenly places. This is really cool. Let's start with principalities and powers in the heavenly places. You guys have your Bibles open? Look at verse 10. Principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Now, if you were to ask me, if you were to ask any normal, you know, regular type of person, like, what, what does that mean? I didn't know. I had to go and be like, okay, principalities, powers, And heavenly places. What what is that exactly referring to? It's like okay, I know some of those words, but what what, what is this referring to? It's referring to the angelic host, not only angels in heaven, but even fallen angels, including Lucifer. I want you guys to check this out. Essentially, what's being said here by Paul is that the mystery of Christ revealed shows the incredible wisdom of God to the created angelic beings. They have stood back and watched the story of redemption unfold and they're like they're like popcorn in hand amazed about what God has done in Jesus and by the church. The angels are in heaven and in hell in a way And they are watching this incredible story that God is building by the church. Started with Jesus and has been building bigger, bigger, greater, more and more people added, lives changed. And and really, the angels are like, this is incredible. It's showing and displaying to them the manifold wisdom of God. I want you to note this down. This manifold wisdom, this word manifold, it's the word multicolored, carries the idea of intricacy, complexity, and great beauty. If you were to translate the Old Testament into Greek, the same word would be used to describe Joseph's tunic of many colors, multicolored. It's that same type of idea that it is incredible. Meaning that the angels are stepping back and every time someone gets saved, when they saw Jesus rise from the dead, angels are in heaven, are going ballistic. They're like, this is amazing. The the celebrations would be greater than any sports games you've been to. You know, sometimes we think of angels almost as like godlike beings. We think of them as all-knowing and all-powerful, but listen, angels are not all-knowing and all-powerful they don't know God's entire story of redemption, meaning they didn't really comprehend the mystery of God in the Old Testament. They, Though they're eternal beings, they are watching, uh, meaning that they'll never die. They're watching from heaven, seeing God's completed plan of redemption. You know, I referenced this passage earlier, but I want you to note it down. 1 Peter 1, 12 shares this truth with us. When Peter says, To them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Notice the last part. Things which angels desire to look into. This salvation that you and I have that sometimes can become so common, like, oh yeah, Jesus saved me. To the angels, it's anything but common. They're like, this is amazing. Meaning, before Jesus came, the angels are, are even are even thinking about these things. They're having roundtable discussions. What is God doing? How is this? How is he gonna because listen, angels are meant, are designed by God to be ministering spirits to you and I. Sometimes we think of angels just so busy worshiping God that they don't care about what's happening here on earth. No, they care and they are very involved. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. I love this picture. It's typically a reference when someone gets saved. Luke 15, 10 says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Meaning that when a, when that moment comes in time, when the mystery is revealed to a person, they say, oh my gosh, I get it. I want Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna repent of my sins. I'm gonna come to him. That in heaven, in a way, there is a party happening. The angels are saying, woo, that's awesome. Oh my gosh, did you just see what happened? I didn't think he was gonna do it. I thought he was gonna, I thought he was gonna, it's it, I was thinking it was going to be another altar call that was going to take them at least two more. No, that, that one did it. Okay, that's awesome. He's going to be in heaven with us. They are involved and engaged and they see God's wisdom unfolded and worship. And I think similarly, demons see, see someone get saved and rather than party, they get bummed out. They get, man, another one. Dang, God is good at this. That is, oh my gosh. wisdom of God. And so by the greatness of this eternal purpose, it's by the church, what's happening even here today, that is a witness to the angelic realm of the wisdom of God. And so by our faith in him, you and I have this access, this boldness with confidence through faith. Because what was concealed has now been revealed. Though we were blind, now we see. And so let's look at the concluding verse here in verse 13. You can look on the screen or look in your Bibles. Ephesians 3.13 says, therefore, he comes to this conclusion. He talks about this whole mystery thing. He gets all excited about it. And he says, therefore, I ask that you do not lose hearts and my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul, summing it up here, he says, he says look, yep, I'm, I'm chained. I'm a prisoner of Christ, he says, but listen. He says, it's all good. Why? Because the mystery of God has been revealed to me. I've been given the opportunity and privilege to preach the mystery. And even the angelic host itself looks upon what God is doing and has no response but to worship God because of his great things that he's doing in me, that he's doing in you. And so he, he shifts their perspective and he says, look, don't lose heart. And so you and I, sometimes our salvation, as I mentioned, it can become common. It can become something we get used to. But that's not how Paul looked at it. He could just go on and on. And so the mystery of Christ has been revealed to you and I. May we lean in and live it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you've opened our eyes to the gospel truth. The fact that you, a man, you being God, became a man, came in the likeness of men. Lord, that you lived that life that we couldn't live. Perfect, sinless, spotless, holy, pure. You died upon that cross. You rose from the grave. You breathed the Holy Spirit into your apostles. You ascended into heaven. And Lord, that, that message is meant to go on and on and on that through those 12 men that you poured into, the whole world would be flipped upside down. And so God, this is the message that the world needs. This is the message that we need. God, we pray that as you have revealed it to us, we know it wasn't us. We, we didn't stumble upon this. We didn't do a Google search and, 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 and find something. It was you who revealed it to us by your spirit. Maybe you used a person, maybe use mom or dad, uncle, a pastor, a teacher, a Bible verse, Lord, but you initiated. And Lord, as a response, we wanna go and, and, and represent this mystery because it's been revealed. Men and women, boys and girls, they can know it, but how will they know it unless someone goes, unless someone tells them, though that you would put in us a seriousness, that we might be stewards as well of the mysteries of God, that we would be found faithful, that salvation would be something we couldn't stop talking about. Just as the angels in heaven rejoice, amazed at the wisdom of God, what he is doing, what he has done, Lord, would would in a sense heaven, Lord, meet us in this place that we might do the same. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.